Welcome back to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I'm your host, Michael Martin, and I am joined by the great Barry Trammell after an eventful night in Salt Lake City, Utah, where the Thunder get another must win. Barry, how are you doing today? And uh, what are your biggest thoughts and takeaways from that game last night? Oh, it's a game they had to win. Thunder had to win. Game they should have won and the game they did win. But um, for as bad as they've been playing, which they've been playing pretty poorly the last week and a half, I would say um, it was a good win just from that standpoint for, uh, you know, to beat the Jazz Junior Varsity should not be a monumental achievement, but nothing's coming easy to this Thunder team. So they beat back a, a Utah threat um, there uh, in both halves, really, and one going away. So certainly sets up for, for a magical Sunday at, uh, at Paycom to where the Thunder can uh sort of uh announced themselves as back in the back in the postseason so um long journey to get to this point could have been a lot easier these last two weeks but it looks like they're gonna looks like they're gonna get over that hurdle yeah i think so i think that was the closest 16 point game uh win i've ever seen in my life but yeah i think this is the biggest win of the season biggest game of the season this is probably the biggest game the thunder have been in since the bubble Oh, I would think so. Um, I don't know what else could even come close. So, um, you know, in, in, in theory, the, Griz- the Grizzlies will have the number two seed sewed up and might rest their players. Um, you know, one thing I think is interesting about all that talk, though, is a team like Memphis isn't going to play for a week. They'll either start Saturday or Sunday with the playoffs. And they, let's see, at two – they would probably start Sunday. So, you know, do they want their guys to set out a full week? Will they play them a half? What will they do? So we don't know. But um, be nice if Dallas just lost Friday night, made it all moot, and the Thunder could just uh, not worry about it themselves. That would so, be, that'd be very nice. <laughs> yeah, very nice. Although it'd be bad for the fans in the stands because then you'd have, you know, the, the Thunder would probably rest those guys because they'd need a rest. So you'd be seeing a lot of, you know, a lot of Jared Butler and a lot of Olivier Saar, but you know, probably probably be worth it. Probably be worth it. Yeah, in the last thirty games, this uh, thirty days of the season, the Thunder will play seventeen games. So even young legs like that, it's it's need some rest at some point. Yeah, and I, I don't know how I don't know how you feel about it, Michael. They they look like they're sort of worn out these last ten days. They just look. Especially SGA, um, Dort to some degree. Um, I don't know about anybody else in particular, but particularly Shea Gilgis Alexander really looks like he's he's sort of going on fumes at this point. Yeah, he looked exhausted last night. I mean, he took five threes, which is definitely out of character yeah. for him. In March, he took a total of 14 threes in the last 16 games alone. He's attempted 15. So I wonder if that's him being tired and settling or... Hopefully, if you want to put a positive spin about it, that maybe shooting more threes like we all hoped he would. <laughs> well, yeah, and he, he's not going to the basket clearly. And, you know, if you got Rudy Gobert in there, that's one thing. But these last two games, Golden State and Utah, Walker is not in there. Golden State doesn't have a rim protector of note. So, you know, are, are those teams just keeping, keeping him out of the lane? If they are, that's a concern. Um, 
or is he just too tired to go? If that's true, that's a concern. So that's something to keep an eye on is the fatigue factor, particularly as it relates to SGA. He turned it up in the third quarter, but yeah, they were doubling the ball out of his hands a lot in the first half. And I think that's something you're going to see continued into the play in if they get there is teams just going to the defense of anyone but Shea can beat us. Yeah, and, uh, you know, they, they did the double teams. They did a lot of the zone. That zone in the second quarter particularly flummoxed the Thunder. Uh, they figured it out better in the, se- in the second half. But um, I got to I gotta believe that just – Maybe the weight of all this is getting on them too. Maybe the the winning last night sort of relieves a lot of burdens off their shoulder and they realize, you know what, we can get this done. Because I really do think they want to win. Um, I do think they realize the portal is the portal. The, the, the playoff is a really good play-in, is a really good uh, sort of a milestone to reach in this season. Probably not going to make it to the bracket. They'd have to win two games on the road against teams better than them. That probably is not going to happen. But it would be a really cool thing if they could at least get in there and mix it up with the Timberwolves or the or uh, the Lakers, the Pelicans, whoever it might be. Yeah, the Thunder just kind of getting hit with the injury stick at the wrong time. I mean, Lou Dort was questionable for that game last night with a shoulder injury. You could say it was a benching, you could say it was his injury, but last night was the second fewest minutes for Dort in a game this season. Um, the second lowest since he came back from his injury and came off the bench against the Blazers on February 10th. Yeah, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that was a great game for Dort to be playing in anyway. Uh, Dort's values on defense... And there really wasn't anybody that was pivotal that he guarded. You know, um, turns out, turns out that old uh, that old uh, Dunn has had a great game for the Jazz. What was he nine of ten shooting? I think with a variety of drives and whatnot, um, and ended up for a while before he went out. Lou covered him, but Utah's the kind of team. There's really nobody. Dort needs to cover like a Curry or a Lillard or a LeBron or whoever. Might have been a good game just to rest Lou Dort. Maybe, yeah. He went nine out of ten. Um, one of the bigger stories was Kelly Olynyk, who was two assists away from a triple double. Did you know, Barry, that the um Jazz have the longest drought of no regular season triple doubles in the NBA right now? Well, I did not know that. That's interesting. The last one came in 2008. Can you guess who was the guy who got the triple-double? Would have been Darren Williams? Carlos Boozer. Carlos Boozer was in 2008. Carlos Boozer in 2008 had 22 points, 11 rebounds, and 10 assists against rookie Kevin Durant and the Seattle Supersonics. And then, crazy enough, um, the last playoff triple-double that... The Jazz had was Ricky Rubio in game three of the first round in 2018 against the Thunder with 26 points, 10 assists, and 11 rebounds. Oh, I remember that game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was five years ago. That was 18. Yeah, 18 playoffs. So, well, Olenek, Olenek for a long time was the best player on the floor yeah, last night. Maybe by game's end, he wasn't, but he was 
He was really good. Of course, he's a solid player. He's 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 always been a solid player. Yeah, he was a winning player. He was going to help somebody as soon as, you know, maybe the Jazz get rid of him or move on. But yeah, Russell Westbrook by himself has 198 triple doubles since the last time the Jazz had a triple double. <laughs> That's crazy. The last time that the that Jazz is. had a triple double, the Thunder were not yet a team yet. Russell Westbrook was still playing at UCL and Usman Jang was roughly four and a half years old. Usman Jang. I found it interesting that Usman did not play last night. Did you find that interesting? Um, he played out some uh, blowout. I minutes. mean, I bet besides, oh, yeah, 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 besides, he came in with 136 left. But, you know, Dagnall seemed to go all in on the way, the way the fans have wanted him to in recent, you know, in recent um, weeks. Um, but he hadn't until last night, but. No Zhang at all. Uh, Saric got a bunch of minutes instead. No, no JRE. Um, I just found that I found it interesting that that's what he uh, ended up going. I don't know if that meant a, a change in a change in philosophy. I don't know if that was strategic, just because of the Jazz or whatever. But I found I found that whole thing interesting. I don't think they'll admit it, but I think that was the plan was try to get a win and they'll say, you know, oh, we're we have a plan for him. We're going to try to give him minutes in a different game. And that might be true, but I think they really did want to win this game. And just those developmental minutes were not there. They got a big boost off the bench with guys like um, Dario Sarge was a plus 20. Lindy Waters was a plus 16. Isaiah Joe plus nine. Aaron Wiggins plus 19 Sarge was really good. I think he shot like 50, 50, 100 from the field or something crazy. And then it was a nice to get some shooting bouncing back for the thunder in their lineups with Lindy waters and Isaiah Joe looking more to form. Yeah. You know, the, uh, the broadcast made a huge gush over Aaron Wiggins and deservedly. So he played very well. Um, he was a star of the game. He got interviewed afterwards. Lots of talk post game talk about Aaron Wiggins. But I thought Sarge was the difference. Um, you know, he hadn't been playing that much. He had, uh, starting with the West Coast trip, and then the West Coast trip, four games, and then the three games against the Eastern Conference also ran. Also ran. In those seven games, he played a total of six and a half minutes. Appeared twice, six and a half minutes. It seemed clear he had fallen out of the rotation. He comes home. And Sunday, played against Phoenix and played. And then Tuesday at Golden State, he played. And then last night, he played a bunch and was outstanding. Um, plus 20, a 5 of 10 shooting, uh, 10 rebounds. And uh, I looked up some numbers on Sarge today. He is playing, in totality, he's playing very well since coming over to the Thunder. Um, he's got 20 games. 13.7 minutes a game, not a lot of minutes, but 7.4 scoring. He's shooting over 50%. He's shooting 39% from three. It's This shooting is the best of his career. And his, uh, his numbers, uh, his advanced numbers, very good. He's, he's, he leads the Thunder in uh, true shooting percentage. Per 36 minutes, he's outscoring everybody except Shea. Per 36 minutes, he's out-rebounding everybody except Arkansas Williams and Josh Giddy. I mean, he's actually offensively played very well for the Thunder. So it's 
possible that his defense is really lacking. I don't know. Probably is. I don't think but, he's a premier defender. I don't think he's lacking to the point where it's a detriment, where it's like Ennis Cantor, where it's just pops right. through the screen. Right. You wouldn't think so. But maybe maybe whatever they want to do is not fitting with Sarge. I don't know. But he's clearly made been a good impact player on offense. So going forward, Memphis, uh, hopefully the play ends. You know, maybe, you know, wild hair, a playoff series. I think Sarge is a guy that needs to play because he's he's a veteran and he's performed well for the Thunder. Now, you go back to the Charlotte game. Week ago, Tuesday, they lose at home to the Hornets. Just a disastrous loss. They'd be in like Flynn if they'd have won that game. But, you know, he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't. He doesn't get called in that game till the fourth quarter. Thunder has all of a sudden finds itself down three with early in the fourth quarter. Dagnalt calls on Sarge. In three minutes, the Charlotte lead went from three to 13, and Dagnalt had to get him out of there. They just couldn't guard him. So, um, you know, I look at from where Sarge went that night, you think, well, he's never going to play again because I don't think they're going to resign him. This is a disaster, whatever. But then last night, in the biggest game of the year, very well, very well played game, very instrumental. So um, nice, uh, nice job by Dario Sarge. Yeah, very nice. Uh, he's been in and out of the rotation, but I think in a play-in matchup that he's going to be a guy who you want out on the floor just from his experience and just some of the lack of experience of the Thunder lineup. But the last thing I'll say on the Jazz game Barry, it's all the J-Dub, J-Will, Santa Clara, Arkansas, Williams talk. The Jazz commentators have entered the chat and added something new. They um, described the Jalen Williams, and they said J-Dub uh, from Santa Clara as Jalen Williams with an L. I don't know how to say this, but both Jalen Williams have an L in their <laughs> name. <laughs> Do they, or did, did, maybe they meant to say why. Only the Y's from Arkansas. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That sounds like a disaster by those guys. They said it a couple uh, times. Yeah, Jalen Williams with an L. <laughs> <laughs> What's the guy's middle name? Have we looked at their middle names? I have anybody not done, yet. Has anybody done any inside research on... Uh, surely I did that. that was, I didn't have time to do that in the summer. I don't know. Let's see, Jalen Williams, Santa Clara Williams, Devon. Devon is Santa Clara, and our good friend Arkansas Williams is Michael, Jalen Michael Williams. Pretty good name, if I say so myself. Yeah, yeah, there have been people that have used that to great heights, but um, yeah, I'm going to stick with Santa Clara and Arkansas. I can keep it really straight. It doesn't help that they got hairdos that are similar. You know what they don't have? They don't have the same personality. Here's a way we could, here's a way we could, here's the way we could forever end all talk about who's who and which is which. If we just started calling Arkansas Williams Smiley, he's got the world's best smile. He might have the greatest smile in the history of planet Earth. He's always smiling. He, on the bench, he's smiling. Playing defense, he's smiling. Getting off the plane, he's smiling. And it's a big old light-up-the-room smile. 
I, I need to do a story on Arkansas Williams' smile because it is world class. I'll hook you up with my orthodontist so you can talk to him about it. But <laughs> yeah, I've I've heard the nickname Boom Williams because he yells boom after he hits the threes. Yeah, that's good. But yeah, nothing, that's good nothing's really stuck yet. Yeah, boom. He does yell boom. Um, doesn't seem like uh, Santa Clara yells much of anything. He's a lot more quiet. Uh, there was a great picture of them together on the bench last night. I can't remember if it was when the last minute or so when he cleared the bench or were they just both sitting out at some point in the game. But Santa Clara sits down and he looks pooped and he's sitting there with just a blank face, blank stare on his face. And he's sitting next to Arkansas. And Arkansas is just beaming. I mean, he's his, the, the ends of his mouth are like four yards apart. And he's just carrying on up a storm, just talking up a storm. And old Santa Clara is just sitting there like, you know, I'm I'm glad you got the energy to talk and smile because I don't. But, uh, yeah, they're a hoot. They're 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 fine additions to this roster. Let's put it that way. Fine additions to this here roster. I completely agree. But they got the must win to stay in the play in. But let's talk about the scenarios where the Thunder can hold in, hold on to that play in spot. Um, I'll run through some different ways and scenarios where they can secure the 10 seed and we can discuss each scenario. The Thunder win on Easter Sunday versus the Grizzlies and they're in. That's the you know, simplest way to put it, like we were talking about earlier. Uh, the Mavs lose to the Bulls tonight, which would be nice, but it looks like the Bulls are resting everyone. The Mavs losing to the Spurs on Sunday. That is just not going to happen. The artists formerly known as the Spurs, they are all the way in the tank. They're not going to let that happen. They'll throw out five guys in mascot suits before they let the Mavericks lose that game. But the nightmare scenario for the Thunder would be the Thunder lose on Sunday and the Mavs win tonight against the Bulls and Sunday versus the Spurs. That's the only way the Thunder can be out of it, right? Yeah, and um, I guess the Bulls don't have a lot to play for now either. I think they're um, locked up in their seating and they're like two games behind the team in front of them. Yeah, which is unfortunate. But... I think what we might see is, uh, uh, you know, Dallas seems like a team that the, the lid needs to pop off. So they're probably just going to whack Chicago. And then it'll be up to the Thunder to take care of business on Memphis come Sunday. We'll see how Memphis uh, plays it. But, um, boy, that'll be what, – what if Memphis trots its players out there? It'd be a, it all of a sudden would be a, a battle royale. That would be quite the, I'd be interested in seeing what happens if, if that actually, if that actually takes place. Let's hope it doesn't happen. I mean, it doesn't look likely tonight. They play against the, uh, they play against the Milwaukee Bucks who are resting Giannis, Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez, Pat Connaughton, and Chris Middleton. So hopefully they can get a win tonight and that would lock them in the two seed where they don't need to play any guys on Sunday. And at the same time, even if they don't get a win, the Kings will play at home versus the Warriors, an important game for both those sides. And if the Kings lose that, they would also uh, lock their position at three where the Grizzlies wouldn't need a win um, tonight or on Sunday. Do they need sixth in the West is well, they're trying to figure out they have any they have any preference on who they play is there any advantage to them falling to third um not really probably not because because you don't know who's going to finish sixth 
I mean, you can go into Sunday afternoon not know who's going to be sixth and seventh. So they probably don't have any any incentive to to lose and fall to seventh. Um, people have incentive to finish sixth instead of fifth so that you can get Sacramento um, and not Phoenix, you know, in that second round or first round. But, um, yeah, I'm anxious to see how Memphis plays it because I can see a path in which they would not sit their guys. Because I'm, in, I'm intrigued by this layoff. Do you, you know, if if you have a week coming up layoff, do you really want to extend that layoff to nine days instead of seven? So I think that's I think that's worthy of asking. It's interesting. Maybe it's just a thing where they play their guys in the first half, almost like a preseason game. Yeah, could be. That could be. But there's going to be, be different game plans if the Grizzlies don't win on Friday against the resting Bucks. Um, but my thoughts on the Grizzlies games, I think that they are going to rest a lot of their players or just play the first half like a preseason game. But the Thunder, the goals in that one are obviously get a win in your end, but get your starters and Shea, especially in and out as soon as you can, and just try to run the Grizzlies out of the gym. Don't give them any hope or any reason to play hard and just get in and out of there with your win and um, extra rest because all those guys desperately need it. Yeah, now they play Tuesday or Wednesday, which is when is the uh, seven ten game? Um, the nine ten would be on Wednesday. I mean, the nine ten is Wednesday. Yes. So Thunder plays on Wednesday. Okay, so Thunder. Yeah. Well, that's going to help a little bit. You know, that'll be that'll be. Let's see, not counting Thursday. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. That'll be four nights sleeping in your own bed. There's something to be said for that before you go off to Minneapolis, probably. So, um, yeah, what do you think the crowd will be Sunday? It's going to be interesting because, I mean, it's 2.30 on Easter Sunday. I I think that the fans there are going to be really excited, but I was talking to somebody. There's not a lot of people who are going to have time for church, lunch, basketball. You're going to have to make some uh, quick decisions there. All right, let me just say something, Michael. Tell me about it. I got places to be at 8.30, 1 o'clock, and 6 o'clock, plus a 2.30 basketball game downtown. So um, I think I'm going to squeeze it all in, be late to the 6 o'clock, of course. But for crying out loud, it's going to be it's going to be tight. It's going to be tight. Tight, tight, tight. Wish is a night game is what I wish. Yeah, well, it's going to be hectic, that's for sure. I've seen some people joking around that Chet will return for Easter after uh, missing more than three days, a few months, actually. But uh, yeah, I don't think that's going to be something that happens. But it's going to be very interesting on Sunday. A lot of fans are going to be in the building. I assume it's going to be raucous crowd as the Thunder, because this is going to be this is the last home game of the season unless they somehow make the playoffs, Barry, because they're going to have to go on the road for both play-in games. Yeah, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but it, it it could be a nice send-off. It really could. If there's a good crowd, you know, they win, give those guys a, a toast for uh, for what they've done. I think that would be a very solid, um, a very solid uh, move in how to uh, to thank these guys. 
for what's been a really fun and interesting season. I agree, but let's move on to the plan and just what would that mean for this team? The Thunder are obviously a little bit ahead of schedule. They're only in year three of the rebuild, and they'd be making the postseason in year three. So what would it mean for this team full of young guys, youngest roster in the NBA to make the play in? It's not the playoffs, but to make the postseason nonetheless. Well, I think it'd be I think it'd be great for their morale. I think it'd be great, you know, assuming they have been working hard. I assume they are. It's great for that kind of motivation. Hey, look, this stuff pays off. It would be great for springing them forward for next year. It would be great experience to go play in a, you know, basically the one cool thing about the play-in is it's uh, three games of, uh, well, for the nine and ten teams, it's it's back-to-back game sevens. And game seven experience, you know, a lot of seasoned vets never experienced that. Here you're going to experience, you're going to experience that in just straight away, um, you know, straight away uh, a play-in situation where you win or go home, NCAA tournament style almost. Um, heck, you could even call the Memphis game that if you wanted to. If, if Dallas loses tonight, so. Uh, I think that's invaluable experience. Um, anything the Thunder does from here on is gravy anyway. And the best part is if the Thunder you know, doesn't get out of the play in, you know what, that puts them back in the lottery. And what's, you know, nothing wrong with that. Heck, maybe they'll get the 12 seed, I mean the 12 pick in the, uh, in the, uh, in the lottery. The 12's been awfully good to Oklahoma City. So lots of good things coming up whether they advance or don't advance here in uh, in this uh, in this play-in tournament. One of the more wild scenarios is the Thunder make the play-in, lose in the first play-in game, and then they have a coin flip for draft position with the Mavericks, and the Mavericks lose a coin flip or are moved to 11 and lose their pick. <laughs> Sign me up for that. Sign me up for that. That'd be cool. Be pretty is, that, funny. Is, that, is that actually on the table? That's actually on the table. If the... Um, Thunder end up making the play in like something where they're both tied, but the Thunder own the tiebreaker. And then so tiebreakers uh, so tie for the draft are strictly coin flip. Uh, yes. Isn't that wild? It is. I mean, that's how the Thunder lost. Um, they actually gained draft position against the Cavaliers in the Cade Cunningham, Josh Giddy draft. And then somehow the odds then flipped. And then the um, Cavaliers on the lower end of the odds, jumped up to number three to get Evan Mobley. Yeah, that was unfortunate. That was what that was. But that's okay. Just how the um, cookie crumbles sometimes. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's all going to play out here in the next 72 hours. So, uh, less than that. 48. What time is it? Next 55 hours. So, um, it, to me, it's fun. You know, April 6th, 2023 was last night. Utah Thunder. And it's a big game not for the Thunder. It actually could have been a big game for the Jazz. They chose to make it not. You know, Utah wasn't eliminated until last night, crazy enough. But um, as it were, a year ago, April 6th, 2022, the Thunder played at Utah in the... Let's see, third from last game of the season. I think it was a Wednesday night. 
It was a Wednesday night in Salt Lake. I actually covered that game. If you remember, that's the week where the Thunder, just out of the blue, signed Xavier Simpson, Melvin Frazier, and Giorgio's going to have to help me here, Michael. Catacopolis or Catilius. Calisakis, whatever his name is. They literally trotted out three guys none of us in Oklahoma City had ever heard of, much less the poor Jazz. Um, Jalen Hurd started that night. Um, Lindy Waters played a bunch. By far the most experienced player on the floor for the Thunder was Lindy Waters, who'd been with the team about two or three months. Um, it was just a, uh, a crazy, crazy lineup. I remember asking Quinn Snyder before the game, I said, I know you guys have a routine. I know no matter, you always scout, you always have a game plan, you always go over it. Even when it's a game that clearly the other team doesn't want to win. How do you game plan for this team? You don't even know who these guys are. I don't know who these guys are. How do you guys know who these guys are? And he laughed and didn't really have an answer for me. So you jump one year ahead, same teams, and just how far the Thunder has come, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Just opposite situations. But, yeah, that's going to be pretty great trivia in about 10 years down the line when we ask some of those members of those uh, that last team that didn't make the play-in or the playoffs, hopefully. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, so, do you have any, uh, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I, just, I just think it's so fun. If they can win Sunday, we're going to have Wednesday and Friday games next week that are just huge. Just lots of fun. It's going to be literally like an NCAA tournament regional. Win and two days play, two days later, you get to play again. And I just think that's uh, really cool for, for this franchise that has been so, whatever the word is, um, you know, maligned or uh, lost in the wilderness. Not that long compared to some, but still just, it's really cool that it's, that it's happening that way. Yeah, it just depends on who you ask. There are some teams that act like they've been out in the wilderness for 40 years and other people. It's like, oh, it's just been a quick break. It has been right in, in between those because it's definitely you felt the two or three years that it's been two to three years, but it hasn't felt shorter or longer. But there's been some ups and downs, a lot of fun. But I think getting to the play in and getting that experience like we talked about earlier is very important. It kind of reveals, you know, this isn't just like so important to the thunder that it's like oh this is a disaster if they don't win in the play-in but at the same time you can learn lessons from this and i think that you can learn a lot of lessons about your roster and your coaches in a must-win environment like this where all the coaches and the players are really prepping just um exclusively for you and for this game yeah um and that's what's going to be interesting is uh thunders you know the thunder like i talked about with utah last year the thunder's done all that but when you really hone in, um, particularly in a you know in a playoff series, it's a two week odyssey, and all the game planning stuff changes. With a one game situation like uh, the playing could be, it really serves to ratify, validate your professionalism during the year. How much commitment did you make to? Uh, constant game planning, constant strategy, constant scouting reports. Did you take those seriously? Did you did you study them, follow them, listen to them? And if you did that, you should be set. Turning it on 
you didn't do that and now have to turn it on for a one game deal, maybe it works out, maybe it didn't. But this is why you do it because it does set you up for such a time as this. Um, when, when you're going to need to uh, have some of those lessons instilled in you throughout the course of the season. Well, just looking forward, um, the Pelicans and the Wolves are really the only two options of the teams that can play the Thunder. If the Pelicans lose tonight versus the Knicks and the Wolves beat the Spurs um, tonight, then on Saturday, or if the Wolves beat the Spurs on Saturday, the 8-9 spot will come down to a winner-takes-all game, on a uh, tiebreaker game of Pelicans and Wolves in New Orleans on the last day of the season on Sunday. So that'll be very, very interesting if the Pelicans lose tonight and the Wolves beat the Spurs on Saturday. Yeah, um, I actually think I think I'd rather play Minnesota than New Orleans. I think I'd rather play Minnesota than the Lakers. I think Minnesota'd be the best matchup going forward for the Thunder. What do you think? I think Minnesota also. Um, I think the Lakers are kind of out of question unless you win that first play-in game. The Pelicans, it, they've had the Thunder's number for the most of the season. The Thunder did get a win over them. And it seemed like Shea kind of figured out the uh, the Herb Jones equation. But the Pelicans are just a tough matchup, given their unique way to match up with the Thunder with their size, length, and athleticism. And then guys like Brandon Ingram, Jonas Valanciunas, and others just put a little bit more fear in me than guys like Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert. And for as much respect and uh, admiration for his game as I have for Anthony Edwards. Yeah, I mean, I just think... The- the Timberwolves haven't figured out themselves because Cat Mandu has only been back, what, two or three weeks after missing five months or four months. And I don't know, you know, if the Thunder goes out there with their small lineup, Minnesota, it'd be it'd be be a size mismatch for the for the uh Wolves, but it'd be a major speed, quickness, movement matchup advantage for the Thunder. So I think that'd be a fascinating basketball game. I would really, I would really enjoy that kind of, that kind of, uh, of uh, drama and, and intrigue over yeah. over that kind of matchup. You definitely get some basketball strategy and kind of chess play there. I know the Thunder. We talked about it earlier on Tuesday, Joe and I, about you know Barry the the starters they started out in the first game of the season against the Wolves. Actually, was Shea Giddy Dort. Kenrich and Poku at the five. So I'm sure that's not going to be what happens, but they're not afraid to go small against this team. Right. Um, a guy like Sarich sort of changes, you know, the dynamics to some degree. Um, did three of those games or all four of them came before Christmas? Is that what we talked about? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Because they had opposite yeah. where it's like all those before Christmas and then the Phoenix ones were just a blur down the stretch. Right. So. When you look at when you look at that, those early games don't mean anything because Arkansas wasn't playing much, if at all. Um, Sarich wasn't even on the team. Um, Santa Clara hadn't emerged as not just a viable NBA player, but in many ways a really good player. So I think it's uh, he might even miss some of those. He got that's the game he got hurt in. He got he. Got his face caved in like in the first five minutes, right? Yeah, first against game. Minnesota. Yeah, so uh, it'd be almost like unknowns meeting. So I think that'd be fascinating. I really do. And then I like the wing depth of the 
the Wolves with guys like Anthony Edwards and um, Jaden McDaniels has been awesome. He's been really, really good um, as a 3 and D guy, one of the best perimeter defenders in basketball who definitely can match up with Shea pretty well. But I'm excited about that matchup and to see some playoff basketball or postseason basketball with uh, Mark Dagnall seeing what he has as a coach in sort of that environment and seeing which guys you know shrink under the light and which guys shine because we've seen this in the past, not only with the Thunder teams, but other teams in the NBA, I'll go with the Thunder example, but Cameron Payne's the backup all year, and then you get to the playoffs, and it's like, oh, Cameron Payne can't play. So it'll be interesting to see who the guys are who break out and who maybe shrink a little bit under the light in a play-in environment. That's a good, yeah, it's a great point, yeah. You know, we've seen some Thunder playoffs where, particularly under Scotty Brooks, he would shrink the, he would shrink the dang rotation so small that uh, he just he just quit on guys, um, and I, you know what? I don't think Mike Mark Dagnon will do that in this playoff. In this, I'm sorry, the play in situation. I think you're still going to see at least nine. I think you could see Usman Dejang. I think you could see, um, you know what you what you've been seeing down the stretch. You might see a little variance, whether it's Saric or or whoever, Lindy Waters. You know, Waters hadn't been playing a lot. And last night, he, along with Wiggins and Sarge, was huge in that game. He played very well and helped that helped that second team sort of rescue the game. So I don't think Dagnault will shy away from those guys because I want I think he wants them to get in the experience of playing uh this kind of uh um, pressurized basketball. Yeah, Lindy's looked much better. He missed a few weeks there with a plantar fasciitis, the injury that Shea had last year. But he he was much needed, bright spot for the Thunder, especially him and Isaiah Joe being able to knock down some threes. But it's definitely going to be interesting. I'm with you. I think that Mark probably sticks to an eight to nine man rotation, but should be very intriguing to see how the play in goes. Um, is there anything very have to plug before we get out of here? I know that you've been very busy with your scissor tails and a lot of those have been very interesting and entertaining to read. Well, I've, uh, I got a Sunday come, uh, planned and you know what I think I'm going to write about? I think I'm going to write about this season has been a little bit of a throwback to Oklahoma city's first NBA season. If you'll remember really the, the, both of the seasons with the Hornets, expectations were very low. That that New Orleans team came here, I think they'd won 18 games or 19 or 17. I think it was 18 the year before in New Orleans. Chris Paul was an incoming rookie. J.R. Smith was his sidekick. No expectations. And they stayed in the playoff race until the last week. In fact, every home game was relevant. They weren't eliminated from the playoffs until after the final home game. So um, win, lose, or draw against Memphis. This season has been very much like that. Surprising, relevant, uh, optimism, inspiring. So I think I think that's what I'm going to write about, how no matter what happens, this team is really going to – this team is really going to uh, – have an impact on the city and the fan base in terms of hope for the future. And it goes back similar to what the Hornets did in that first Oklahoma City season. 
I still remember my first game was a Hornets game. It was uh, against the Minnesota Timberwolves, ironically enough, as we're talking about the Wolves so much with Kevin Garnett back then. Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's a uh, it was a fun time. We had no idea what was to come. Didn't know how much fun it was going to be, but it we we didn't know what was going to happen, but we knew something was and something did. And now we're seeing, you know, the residue of that even with the second reincarnation of of Thunder Promise. Less fun, but much simpler times back in the Ford Center. Uh, Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, uh, before we get out of here, I did want to plug once again the uh, giveaway that we're doing on Twitter at Thunderbud Pod, you can follow that. Uh, but we're giving away a free Shea Gilgis Alexander jersey away, and we're going to do a live drawing of that on Tuesday on that pod, which is hopefully a play-in preview. But um, if you follow the steps on Twitter, at uh, Thunderbud Pod, I think Joe has tweeted out, at Joe underscore Masato. I have at Michael on Sports, but there's a few easy steps where you just like, retweet the tweet, follow myself, Joe, and uh, the Thunderbud Pod twitter and tag three friends and you'll be entered for a chance at a free sga jersey barry thanks again for coming on with me and thank you all for listening to the thunder buddy podcast we'll be back again on tuesday remember to rate us five stars on apple spotify wherever you get your podcast and thanks again so much for listening